Kids, you are dismissed. Have an awesome time. Man, this place emptied out. Wow. This is awesome. So glad. Hey, for those of you I haven't met, my name is Dallas, uh, one of the leaders here. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better if I haven't met you here tonight. So come introduce yourself and I'll get to know you, that sort of thing. We are starting a brand new series. So if this is your first time with us, you picked a good night to come. We're starting a brand new series called Hard Questions. And I'm sorry we couldn't come up with like a more elaborate kind of name. We just called it Hard Questions. Uh, but we're going to look at some of the maybe most difficult questions of the faith. We're going to talk about, you know, is the Bible in the 21st century really reliable today? Uh, we're going to talk about how do I talk about my faith with other people, right? That can seem kind of awkward and difficult at times. So we're going to talk about that in this series. Tonight we're going to talk about something really difficult. And I've actually only talked about this one other time in all of my speaking days. We're going to talk about money. What does Jesus want us to do in regards to money? We're going to talk about that here tonight. And on one hand, I really hate to talk about it because it can seem very self-serving in a way for me. Let's just be honest. If you give to Grace Meadows Church, I benefit like the more you give, the more likely I get paid to do what I do, right? And so often I just kind of shy away from it. You know, I feel like I, I just, I don't know if I should talk about this. So that's one, one thing. But then when you read the scriptures, Jesus talks a whole lot about money. I mean, a whole lot about money. In fact, almost half of his parables have something to do with money, so if it was really important to Jesus, then it's something that we ought to address as well here tonight. Um, now, what's interesting is that aside from a demonstration about paying taxes, Jesus never does actually ask for any money. Um, and I think it's extremely important because Jesus likes to make the main thing the main thing, right? So it, as important as money is... Money is simply a means to another end. Money doesn't work well when it is just its own end. Money works best when it is not an end, but a means to an end. See, Jesus is after something so much bigger than our money. He's after our hearts. He wants our hearts. And then when he has our hearts, then that's where everything else flows from, including what we do with our money. And so if money becomes an end, or money becomes a means to an end that is not greater than itself, Jesus often calls it out, right? I mean, how many parables do we see where Jesus calls it out? And this is true in any relationship, though, right? I mean, if, if you see a family, a friend, or something, and they're making 
too big of a deal, they're getting something out of context and it's affecting their heart, then we as friends, as family members, we want to call those things out. And Morgan, my wife, has been so good at this. If stuff starts to get out of control, she calls it out big time. And I have a bad habit around Christmas time of making purchases that really just aren't necessary. Um, throughout the year, it's so funny because it's like Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to Christmas. Because like January to October, I just don't spend money. I mean, I got these jeans for Christmas and I probably won't get another pair until you see holes all the way down it. I just, that's just how I'm wired. I'm not saying it's really necessarily a good thing. I just don't like to spend money. But when it comes to Christmas time, the flip is just, it's just switched, right? I mean, it's just like, all right, now let's go into Target and, oh, the girls don't have a rainbow pillow yet. Maybe they could use that. Sure, let's wrap that thing up and I bring it home and I say, Morgan, look what I got. I got the girl something for Christmas in her head every time. It's just, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, here we go, right? Because she's so focused on not wanting stuff to really get out of context, out of whack, because she knows that will affect our hearts. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, one day if I just came home and there was like a, tile, uh, a pile of like toys just sitting there and ashes and burned up and all that stuff because she'd be like, man, these things got, you know, too close to their hearts. So I was done with it. And, um, and that's such a good thing. And I think that, honestly, this is the approach that Jesus takes when it comes to finances. If you have your Bible, we'll take a We'll look at Luke chapter 16, and we'll be in, I think, 9 through 15 here today. And as you're turning there, what gives money meaning is that it is a means to something else beyond itself to a greater end, right? So it's not just a means to something else, it's a means to something else that's greater than itself. So the question here tonight as you're turning to Luke 16 is, what is that end for you? If that end is more things that are temporary, more things that don't go well beyond money, then we've settled for a pretty narrow, short-lived end. But if that end goes beyond just us, then it begins to have true meaning and a longer-lasting impact. Let's read in verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, by the way, have you ever noticed how much Jesus talks about friends? I just find that so interesting. When did we stop just being so excited about making friends? I mean, my, my girls come home every now and then. They'll be like, Daddy, I made a new friend today. And I'll be like, oh, cool, what's their name? And they'll say, I don't know, but it's a new friend, and I'm excited about it. Right? When did we stop doing that? But Jesus talks about making friends. Anyway, that's not really the point. But I just find it so interesting. And uh, Jesus is saying here, he's saying, um, you can leverage temporary resources to acquire something much better than money itself. What a gracious invitation it is that we can use temporary resources and sort of bank them into eternity. I mean, isn't that a cool thought? Now, what is eternal dwellings? It is using temporary resources for eternal impact in the kingdom of God. Again, this is a means to an end bigger than itself. So if you have a nice home, that's a great thing. But how can we use that? How can we leverage that for eternal dwellings, for the kingdom of God? 
How can we use our resources to, at lunch? How can we say, hey, everybody's got to eat. So how can we say, hey, there's somebody I know who is going through something right now. Let me invite them to lunch. Let me grab their lunch. That is taking a temporary means and banking that into eternal dwellings. You may, have, you may be here tonight and you have a tiny 500 square foot apartment. I don't know what your situation is, but whatever you have, we all have some sort of temporary means that we can leverage that temporary thing for something with an eternal impact. We played uh, this game the other night, which kind of ended up being a train wreck, but the intention was good behind it. We were at the dinner table, and I was trying to teach the girls about this concept of taking something temporary and making it something more long-lasting. So I would give two scenarios. I'd say something like, all right, you've just been given $100,000, girls. Lucky you. Congratulations. And here are your two options. What would be the best one? I said, first one is you could use it to make yourself a wall of gold in your room. Or the second option is you could build a pool. Which one could you use? And both of them, you know, the golden wall, the golden wall. I'm like, no, girls, you use the, you could, you could do the pool. Why? Because you could invite people over and you could have conversations and you could have relationships and you could, you know, maybe even have an opportunity in some of those conversations to tell them about Jesus. You know, out of these two options, that would be the best one there, right? Because then you can actually use that temporary resource for something that goes well beyond just that temporary resource. And uh, like I said, it was a train wreck. Somehow they left that conversation thinking we were putting in a pool, which is not the case, (laughs) but you guys get the point. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, true riches, what is that? True riches are the experiences of the kingdom of God. True riches are the experiences of the kingdom of God. So as disciples of Jesus... These things transcend the scene. And you're going to hear a lot in our next um, upcoming Sunday series about this concept of the seen and the unseen. So when you use your money to help and serve someone, that is true riches because it's operating into the unseen. You don't necessarily see the benefits, but they go into an unseen kingdom. When you invest it into missions, it goes far beyond what is seen and goes into an unseen kingdom. When you invest your money to take a person to lunch so that you can disciple or mentor them, that is investing your money in true riches as it goes beyond what is seen, the temporary, the the, the literal uh, thing that you can touch, money, and it goes into what is unseen, into investing in stronger relationships, into more peace of mind for people, into helping people be taken care of, into helping people come to know and grow in their relationship with Christ, all of these things are of God and go into an unseen kingdom. These temporary means are banked into an unseen kingdom. Verse 12. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. I just love that word, sneering. I mean, can you just even imagine, like, what does that even look like to sneer? Somebody give me a good sneer real quick. Nobody's doing it. They're just... (laughs) I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Even when I ask you, you no, I can't do it to you, Pastor. I'm just not going to sneer at you. He said to them, you are the one who justifies yourself in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Again, this is Jesus talking about what is seen and unseen. So the Pharisees, he's calling out, the Pharisees are justifying themselves in the eyes of others. You see how that's the seen, right? Justifying themselves in what others see, while God knows our hearts. So this is a subtle way of Jesus just calling out, not even subtle way, just calling out the desires to operate in the scene as opposed to actually trying to become the kind of people that we want other people to see. And that's a big difference to Jesus. You'll see so many times in his ministry, he talks about the seen and the unseen. And then he even, we talked a few weeks ago on a Sunday about how um, he said that your righteousness had to surpass that of the Pharisees because the Pharisee righteousness was what is seen. They wanted to just talk about, you know, giving on the street corner and blowing trumpets when they give to the needy and praying out in public. And their motivation was to be seen. But God wants our motivation to come from what is unseen, to actually become the kind of person who does those things. And that starts in the heart. That starts in an unseen kingdom in our own hearts. Money, just like anything that is seen, is a much better subordinate than a leader. It is better suited being told where to go and what to do, not to lead the way, just like anything that is seen, right? Because Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where does it start? In the heart, in the unseen, right? So our motivation comes from the unseen, not the seen. Money is seen. Money should be told where to go. It should not have the control. Everything should begin in the heart. Our motivation, the control of our lives, everything should all begin in the heart. And seeking after true riches that go beyond what is seen. But the Pharisees were using money to advance their own position. They wanted what was seen. They wanted their positions to be seen. And Jesus is telling them, look, this is a really bad investment. I mean, this is what it all comes down to, right? Is we want to make good investments. And Jesus is saying, you could invest in your own little kingdom. You could invest in what is seen. But at the end of the day, everything is is just going to be gone. And so what Jesus is saying here is use those temporary resources to invest in something that stays forever. That goes beyond just right now in the kingdom of God. You could gain all the status and all the wealth and miss the mark completely if money becomes an end or it becomes a, a, a means to an end that is not greater than itself. And in fact, like verse 10 is stating, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, look, you really don't even have much at all. I mean, you think you do, but there's no true riches here. There's no true riches if our emphasis is on what is seen. Our bottom line, if you want to call it that, is God has given all of us temporary means to make an eternal impact. If you come in tonight and you have 
cents to your name or you have millions to your name, it's the same. Let's leverage those means for true riches, true impact. If we have a little bit of desire, I think, I really do believe, just like we talked about Sunday, that, that Jesus meets us where we are. If we have a posture of humility and repentance and openness to him, he meets us there. So if we have a little bit of desire for true riches to see the kingdom of God in our lives, then I believe he'll meet us in that space. And it's always wise to use our resources in the best possible way. And I believe that to use our resources in the best possible way is to invest them in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 19, 21 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Again, this is seen, this is literal, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's face it, everything we own, including the things that we think are so valuable right now, will all end up in a landfill one day. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, even some of the things that you pass down that you think are so valuable, one of these days a, a great-grandkid or somebody is going to look at that and they're going to say, yeah, maybe it meant something to them, but not so much to me. And the question is, when those things do end up in a landfill and they're buried or burned, the question will remain, how was that resource utilized while it was here. And we also got to ask ourselves, was that initially the best use of our money in the first place? And if so, were those things leveraged for true riches? That is the question with the stuff that we have, with the money that we have, with everything that God has given us. Have we used those literal means, the seen, and invested them into an unseen kingdom? And y'all, I just don't want us to get to the end of our lives on earth and say what Solomon said after acquiring everything. He said, I, I, I acquired all the wealth, all the riches, all the entertainment, everything for myself. And he says what? He says, it was meaningless. Meaningless. What have I been doing all this time? It's meaningless, right? And it has so much meaning when we take those temporary means and we put them into eternal dwellings. Like Job said, he said, Man, I ain't taking anything with me here. What did he say? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. Don't you? I mean, just after everything's been stripped away, he says, okay, right? So for us to have the attitude that, yeah, we, we desire God to bless us with money or with resources or things, but we don't want to make those the main thing. We want to utilize those because the kingdom of God is the main thing. How can we leverage those things for the main thing? Y'all, we could gain the whole world, we could gain status, we could gain fame, we could gain all those things, but those things will end very quickly. But the kingdom of God remains forever. If we invest our money in eternal dwellings, we will see true riches. And so tonight, as we sort of wind this part down, I, I don't want to tell you what that looks like. I'd much rather you ask God, ask the Holy Spirit what that looks like for you. But I do think maybe a good practice would be to sometime this week, look at your bank statement and ask the question, what are these expenditures a means to, right? 
are these a means to something bigger than itself? Are these things that could be redirected? Are there things that maybe I need to consider here? Um, or do I just need to keep doing what I'm doing? That's awesome if that's the answer, right? But let's continue to look at what, is, what does it look like for me to take whatever I have that's temporary and invest that into an unseen kingdom. Y'all, I believe that if we can be about our Father's business when it comes to money and resources and everything else, then I believe that we will see very, very, very good things ahead. And the question is, are we going to invest these resources into our little kingdoms, or are we going to invest them into the kingdom of God that never, ever ends? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for, we thank you for hard questions. Um, we thank you for the fact that you give us answers to hard questions. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I feel like you just continue to teach us through your word. I mean, sometimes we will read things one, two, three, four times, and you know, by that fourth or fifth time, we start to see things maybe a little bit differently. And so, thank you for that here this week for me. Um, and Father, I pray that you will just help us to take those next steps. I mean, we don't want to be like the, the one who, who had the soil just fall on, on, on rocky, uh, the seed fall on rocky soil. We want actually this to like penetrate in the ground, grow roots, and develop very, very good fruit. And so, Father, help us to do that. Holy Spirit, we need you to draw us to you. And God, we need you. I mean, that, that is grace, right? We, we can't do this on our own. We, we need you to help us. And so, Father, guide us. Holy Spirit, come invade our hearts. Help us to be reminded of the truth of your word and how strong it is. And, Father, I pray that you'll make us a people of the unseen. I pray that you'll make us a people who don't just, you know, want to, to pray in public, but want to pray in private, that don't want to just focus on literal means, but actually want to invest in the kingdom of God. Help us to be a people of the unseen, that really start to invest these things into something so much bigger. Father, if there are areas of our lives that we're just missing it, I pray that you'll reveal those things to us. If there are things that we're doing well, I pray that you'll encourage our hearts and help us to know that that in itself is also just a grace from you. And Father, above all, make us a people of praise of your name. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.